Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me, as always, are my friends and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And gentlemen, we are at the top of the stretch of the Premier League season, but we have a full slate of games ahead of us this weekend, starting with the 7.38 kickoff on Saturday between Arsenal, their plus 115, hosting... (laughs) Manchester United, the foils of the entire league right now. They're plus 245. The draw here is plus 250. Man, what a good bet I made on United uh, money line against Liverpool. That will go down as uh, one of the top ones for me on the season. But this match, uh, it, it has some jeopardy to it. Both these teams will fancy themselves as a part of the race for the top four. This, this is how it sets up right now. Spurs, 57 points in 32 games played. Same as Arsenal. Spurs ahead right now uh, on the tiebreaker. And then United... 54 points from 33 games played. So they have one less uh, than the two teams they're chasing. So this is a must win game for United. If, if they do fancy getting themselves back into the race, I do think that this game looks, the line looks about right. Um, it's just impossible to, to really have any feeling for United from a betting perspective. I would be closer to the red devils here in, in what could be a buy low spot after, especially after Arsenal had a rousing win over Chelsea, but it's just really hard to get back on that horse. Anthony, uh, before we go to BJ, what do you have for this one? I don't have a ton. Uh, I, I don't love the entire weekend, to be totally honest, but this match being the headliner, especially it's two teams that I don't really know what to make of at the moment. I mean, I thought Arsenal were pretty good today uh, against Chelsea. They were clearly the better team over 90 minutes, and it didn't feel that way in the first half. You know, the goal was very, the first goal was very fluky, and then Chelsea kind of controlled the play, but they didn't really create them any chances, only had them at 0.78 expected goals. Uh, So the Blues weren't exactly creating a ton, uh, and the defensive miscues kind of helped Arsenal. And and so I go back and forth on what to make of this match. But that being said, I don't know how you bet United at the number. I mean, the number is suggesting that Arsenal and United are a, about even teams. I don't really think that's the case. I think Arsenal's better. I've got Arsenal rated a little better. I do show a little bit of value on Arsenal. So I certainly mean that way if I'm forced to play it, but I still don't trust this team defensively because what we saw today is that they're still prone to mistakes. And, you know, Nuno Tavares had a decent game today, I thought, but if our, if, if United has Sancho back, we don't know the health status of Paul Pogba. we also don't know if Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be back after tragic loss of his son. So there's so much in the air that for now, I think I'm staying away here, but definitely a lean toward Arsenal at the current number. And, you know, I'm glad that BJ's back in on the Gunners. He's wearing his, uh, his quarter zip for those of us who can't see uh, the pod, uh, you know, because it's a podcast, but he's back in, which I'm glad to see after their rousing win today. Yeah. Remind you can watch the show on YouTube if uh, you prefer that and you can see BJ in his uh, beautiful Arsenal 
you know, tracksuit here. He uh, usually is wearing a Brighton sh- sh- uh, kit when, when Arsenal's not going well, but look at that smile. Those the Arsenal kid is back. The Iowa twinkle in his blue eyes. Uh, BJ, uh, I saw in the notes that we do before the podcast that you are leaning towards Arsenal, which hasn't really been the case for you, I feel like, uh, for a while now. And But you're back in both the wallet and the heart. Absolutely. Our Teta revolution is back on. We're tied with Tottenham. This is a massive match. I mean, this is really, really, really big for Arsenal. But, I mean, I, Anthony mentioned, how do you bet United – not at this number, but really at any number right now. I mean, they look so disorganized, disjointed. I, they just look like they have no plan whatsoever. And you, they mentioned on the broadcast, but you have, and this has been the case all season long, but you have individuals pressing, not a team pressing. So what happens is you get a lot of guys, individuals who are coming up there and pressing, and then that just leaves wide open areas. Harry McGuire got caught twice in no man's land. And you see him just pointing at other people like, what are you doing? Well, it's because nobody is pressing as a team and nobody really knows what they're doing. So yes, United can get saved by Cristiano Ronaldo and some of their better attacking players when they play lower quality sides, but against the big six, it becomes a real problem. And it was very evident on Tuesday. So for the season against the big six, United has a minus 8.7 expected goal differential in eight matches and allowing 1.7 expected goals per 90 minutes in those matches. That is a clear sign that they are not at the level of the rest of the big six. Also, Anthony mentioned that the form since 20, the calendar turned to 2022 Arsenal has a plus 0.63 expected goal differential per 90 minutes. United sitting at only plus 2.4 expected goal differential per 90 minutes. So Arsenal has clearly been the better team since the calendar turned to 2022. And the big thing that I think for Arsenal is Tommy Asu might be back for this one. He's currently questionable. I agree with Danny Tavares. He played fine, but it, once again, it was one of his mistakes that led to a goal, which has happened pretty much every single match so far. So if Tomiyasu comes back and Cedric Soares can play on the other flank, that is huge, huge for Arsenal defensively and having Ben White and Gabriel in the center there. So, I mean, Arsenal has been really good defensively also since the calendar turned. Only 0.91 actually allowed per 90 minutes. They only had 0.66 expected goals to Chelsea on Wednesday. So uh, just a couple defensive mistakes. So, I have Arsenal projected at minus 105. I'm finally showing some projected value on them. And I I think we really have to question where the motivation level is with Manchester United because they did not look ready. They did not look like they were motivated or even wanted to be at Anfield on Wednesday. And Bruno, you know, Fernandes said it afterwards. He goes, they're battling for trophies. We're battling for nothing right now. So they're clearly out of the Champions League race. I mean, if they win this one, they're technically back in it. But if they lose this one, you have to start questioning motivation with Manchester United. So I do like Arsenal at the number at plus 115. Uh, if Tomi is back, that's a huge, huge boost uh, for the Gunners. And I really think that they're going to smash United at the Emirates on Saturday morning. I, I think that this, this match there is going to be, this is, this is United's last chance. So I don't, I'm, I'm not terribly concerned about the motivation for, for this one. Uh, like you said, if, if they do lose this one or even try it, I think then they're basically having, the rest of the season is a zombie season. There'll be a zombie team um, and it'll, it could turn toxic before Eric Ten Hag comes. Uh, Anthony, you wanted to get one more word in before we moved on? Yeah, I think it's just a general soccer betting thing. Like don't fall in love with form. We talked about this during the midweek pod when we said, look, like Arsenal lost three in a row. They lost four out of five. Uh, but you, you look at the underlying numbers, they weren't that bad. They just had some bounces go against them. They were a little worse, but they, they weren't terrible. Like, oh my God, the sky is falling. United have been like, oh my God, the sky is falling bad. And there, there is a difference there. And that's the main reason we use expected goals. Like if you, you, if you looked at just 
the results, you'd say, oh, Arsenal coming into this game, four out of five loss, Chelsea looking great. And, but, but, you know, that's not really true necessarily. And now you're looking at it and you're like, okay, Arsenal, they kind of righted the ship, probably deserved a good result to go their way. And, and United, I mean, you know, barely screaming by Norwich on XG, getting absolutely hammered at Liverpool. Uh, it's, it's a definitely a concern. So I lean Arsenal. All right. Uh, we'll move on to a 10 a.m. kickoff between Man City minus 900 prohibitive favorites hosting Watford. They're 20 to one. The draw here is plus 950. City's uh, win, I was you know, watching Everton for the most part, but when uh, they were staggered start time, so I had a, a pretty good eye on City. And for the first half, it, it really looked like Bright- Brighton was going to be able to get that done, get a nil-nil across the line. Um, and then and that second half was just, I mean, City were for fantastic and held Brighton uh, overall to 0.12 expected goals. And boy, um, I think what's interesting here is like what Brighton did is exactly what Watford's going to try to do, which is just defend like hell and hope to keep city to nothing. And then uh, maybe get lucky with the goal. And, and Watford is, is rungs and rungs below uh, Brighton on the ladder. So not, not too much uh, faith here though. I do. I could see city having trouble getting the first one. Um, but after that happens, which does feel like kind of an inevitability, uh, they should start going into the back of the net and, Watford just isn't the type of team that that should scare City uh, on the counter. They're averaging only uh, – they're one of the worst offensive teams in the, in the uh, Premier League, I should say, and they're averaging uh, 1.1 expected goals for the last three matches, which were against decent op- opponents, but it's just they're, they're not going to ever – like that's their ceiling. They're not going to break the bank there. So nothing for me here. Don't trust uh, City to break them down enough to, to cover the alt lines, um, and don't trust Watford at all. So – Passing here. BJ, what about you? Yeah, I'm also passing. The one thing I'll say about Watford, I mentioned this last week, they obviously lost in the the final minutes to Brentford, but they've been really underrated under Roy Hodgson. So minus 15 actual goal differential in his 12 matches in charge, only a minus 4.1 expected goal differential. Now, that type of positive regression is not going to come against a team like Manchester City. I mean, it might, who knows, but uh, for a team like Watford who cannot play through pressure, who are going to try to sit back in a 4-4-2, and just hope to God they can get some type of counterattack. It's really troublesome. So I'm at the stage with City right now that I'm just passing when they're playing smaller sides. I just have no interest in betting overs, unders, <laughs> spreads with them. Uh, they're just too ball dominant right now, and they've been creating a ton and a ton of chances for me to uh, for me to you know lay off playing unders. So I am ultimately just passing on this match, Anthony. Uh... Anything for you here? Yeah, I think it's a good live under spot. You know, the total is three and a half. If you get an early goal, you might get like a live under four. I'm in. Like, I just don't think City need to run up the score. And they don't really play a style that leads to running up the score. I know they've had some crooked numbers against Watford in the past. But like you mentioned, Watford have defended relatively well under Hodgson. They've been a little unlucky. They could get a bounce or two their way to get a goal even. Uh, but I'm not betting the team total over. Not not there for me. 135, not, not quite good enough on the road. Uh, plus 135, that is. So, uh, this is, yeah, this is an easy pass. We will move on to Norwich City, the only team below Watford in the standings there, plus 265, hosting Newcastle, plus 115. The draw here is plus 235. Um, when you consider where where they are and who they are, Norwich is not in that terrible form. They're coming off a, an impressive loss to Manchester United in which they probably should have got a point. Then they had the win over Burnley. And then before that, the, the clean sheet draw against Brighton. So, it's this team is still fighting. They're doing, you know, they're playing, I guess, loose, no pressure on them. They're 
they're done and dusted. So uh, I actually don't hate it at home plus two sixty five against this Newcastle team that I think all three of us believe is a little bit overrated. Um, but at the same time, we keep losing against them. But I feel like this of all the games on the board, when you count up every single bet that's made on the Premier League in the across the world, this. Uh, weekend, this would be the one with the, the lowest amount of bets on it, and, and uh, for good reason. So it'd be Norwich or nothing for me. Anthony, what do you have here? Yeah, Newcastle beats me again. That's two out of three weeks. I bet against them, and they won 1-0. And some, you know, they were the better team today. Completely dominated the first half. I didn't actually get a chance to watch the match because there was you know too much going on between the other three. But I thought, you know, looking just through the box score, I mean, I think it was eight shots to zero until Palace registered their first shot near the end of the first half. So that's an impressive ball control performance, possession performance from an Eddie Howe team. You haven't seen a ton of that from Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, it's Norwich past for me too. I just, I still don't believe that this team is is that good, but they keep winning every game 1-0 so, or 2-1 at the death. So maybe they are. Uh, and that, you know, maybe Norwich gets a goal and that's where you look. You know, Newcastle will overdue to concede one by now, given the chances they've allowed Palace did manage to get 10 shots in the second half when they were chasing the game. So clearly a sign that, you know, there's still some vulnerability with them, but yeah, this is another stay away on, on a, on a pretty, this, this probably is the worst Saturday morning card of the year. I don't think we've had a worse Saturday 10 a.m. slate than the three we've got here. Uh, on that note, uh, we'll talk about Leicester city and uh, Aston Villa. Leicester is plus plus one eighty. Villa plus one sixty on the road. The draw here is plus two forty. Uh, Leicester coming off a, a draw against Everton at Goodison Park, in which they played a, a pretty st- strong 11. I'm assuming they will rotate a bunch here as they look ahead to Roma in the Europa Conference League semifinals over the week uh, on Thursday. Um, this is this will be their sixth game in 16 days, Lester. So then you're looking at seven in uh, however many, what is a seven in, in like 20-something, uh, 22, 23, when, when they end up playing Roma. So it's it's just been a jam-packed schedule for them. Villa, on the other hand, they haven't played in two weeks there and are coming off four consecutive losses, but the XG uh, differential in those results is not terrible. And they, they just haven't really been playing for much. They're, they're one of like three or four teams and left in the entire league that, uh, that has not had a meaningful game in, in quite some time. So once again, like Anthony said, it is a pretty ugly card. And this is the one that I have, uh, I have no interest in and no lean um, BJ. You do think there is uh, one angle you can take though. Yeah, this is the second time I've been really surprised by a line with Aston Villa. A couple of weeks ago when Aston Villa was you know, a road favorite against Wolves, now they're a slight road favorite at Leicester. And I think the market just really doesn't like Leicester right now. And it's for three reasons, essentially. Is First, like you mentioned, Michael, they've been playing a ton of soccer over the last few weeks. They are in a look-ahead spot for the Europa Conference League on Thursday and They've been somewhat of a luck box over that time span. I mean, uh, last two months, they're plus two actual goal differential and a minus 5.6 expected goal differential. So with all those arguments, you could say, yes, you know, I, I, I want to fade Lester, but do I really want to fade them at home getting plus money on a draw no bet line? I mean, I'm projecting some value on Lester here, just like I did against Newcastle. I mean, Aston Villa has been off for quite a bit. They have a rest advantage, but they haven't been that impressive under Steven Gerrard. I don't think that we can just sit here and say that Aston Villa has completely turned things around. I mean, they're one of the worst pressing teams in the Premier League. That's how you beat Leicester. So they're going to provide no resistance to them. Leicester, they've lost the expected goals battle in their last two matches, but you kind of have to look at game state too because they went ahead early against Newcastle and they went ahead early against Everton. And they created a ton of chances against Everton. A lot of them just weren't 
uh, that high of quality. I mean, James Madison, I thought had a fantastic game today. So uh, I definitely lean towards Lester draw no bet at even money. I'm definitely, I'm projecting some value on it, uh, but I have to wait until a lineup comes out because I can't play something if they're just going to rotate and play the B team and save everybody for Rome on Thursday. I'll be betting Roma on Thursday. We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm loading up. I'm saving my money here. I'm not going to bet it. Like BJ said, bad number. Uh, Villa road favorite against Leicester. Like I can't quite get there, but Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Roma's on the road too. So might even get a good number. You get him two to one right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. I'm going to probably put that in after the show. Right, Maybe not uh, money. What's, what's the draw no bet? Plus 120? One second. This is riveting, riveting audio for everyone listening. Well, yep, plus yeah. one twenty on the draw yeah, no right, line yeah. for Jose Mourinho's red hot Roma. All right. Uh, any other questions, Anthony? No, I've got nothing on this, Matt. I mean, it, again, it's like Saturday no, at I'm like not going to watch soccer. I mean, I don't. No, I'll be gathering we'll be information. Oh, yeah, we'll watch the Bundesliga, we'll but I, yeah, I'll be watching the. I mean, it's a great Bundesliga card, so I'll be tuned in there. But yeah, I just like. Leicester City, unlucky, I guess you could say today, to not win. But they also got dominated the entire second half, similar to the Newcastle match. Yes, they conceded two stoppage time goals that turned four points into one in the sense that they lost in Newcastle and then lost to or tied Everton today. But they didn't deserve results in either of those games. So I'm not going to say like they're, they, you know, their luck is turning against them and like they're kind of evening out in the regression point of view because they played badly. And everything they created came on quick strike stuff. And it's just hard to get against Villa. So, yeah, I, I don't have a strong opinion here. The 12.30 p.m. kickoff is Brentford. They're plus 310 hosting Spurs. Odds on minus 110. The draw is plus 260. Uh, yeah, Brentford, they're continuing to roll. They were off in the midweek. They're 3 0 in the last three. Eight goals for two goals against. 6.4 expected goals. 3.03 expected goals against. Uh, Spurs finally ran into... Uh, their defensive regression that was coming against Brighton uh, didn't score and, and Brighton were full value for that win. Uh, so hats off to them. And just since Christian Erickson has come to Brighton, uh, excuse me, come to Brentford, the new Brighton, uh, their 5-0 and 2 win draw loss with 14 goals for seven goals against and a plus 0.45 expected goal differential. And now he gets to play his former team. Uh, we've talked about it a lot on the show. Brentford, terrific at home. And he Spurs, like they're still running hot offensively. Like there's still regression to come for this team. And this is just a tricky spot. Brentford punch up really, really well. They have wins over Chelsea. They have win a win over Arsenal and a draw against Liverpool, a close one against City, a close loss. So yeah, I have no problem taking Brentford at over three to one at home here. Uh, BJ back on the bees. Absolutely. Speaking of strong opinions, uh, I love Brentford in this spot. So they have been... We've talked about it a ton of times, but they've been so, so good at the Brentford Community Stadium. But not only that, they've been really good against the top seven teams in England, plus 1.7 expected goal differential against the top seven at the Brentford Community Stadium. The thing that I like about this matchup for Brentford is they tend to struggle when they play teams that can press them successfully and at a high rate. So they're going to face a Tottenham team that is really providing no resistance whatsoever right now. I mean, they only had a 23.5% pressure success rate against Brighton this past weekend. I mean, Brighton held 52% possession, outshot them 12 to 5, 23 touches in the penalty area, fairly 13 for Spurs. They absolutely deserved all three points against Tottenham at home. And I think it's just a story of negative regression hitting Tottenham when it really should. I mean, we talked about it last week, 21 goals off of 13.2 expected. I mean, this is what happens. So 
this is another spot where I believe that negative regression is going to continue because Brentford's just been in an incredible form and the expected goals numbers back that up plus 3.5 expected goal differential in their last six matches. So I can't even get close there on the number. I have Todd I'm projected at plus 150. So I love Brentford plus half a goal at minus 105. I think we see this embedding across all sports. Um, there, there is a must win text. This is a must win game for Spurs. It's a meaningless game, you know, in the grand scheme of things for, for Brentford. Uh, you'll see it a lot of times when teams are maybe down like two, nothing in a best of seven playoff series. If they go down three, nothing, you know, the series is basically over and, and bookmakers know that people will say, Oh, they're not going to go down you know, three, nothing. And we'll bake that into the price. And I think that's, what's happening here with Tottenham. people uh, bookmakers have baked in that people know that Spurs need to win this match um, at the very, very least get a draw to, to keep pace with Arsenal and, and keep United at, uh, at length here or, uh, you know, touching distance in the race of the top four. So I think that's why we're getting a, a decent number here on, on a informed Brentford team. Like usually when teams are in this good a form, we'll start to see bookmakers overreact. Uh, not the case here. Anthony, are you going to do it? Yeah, I'm on the bees. I, like I have to play it at my number. I only make Spurs plus 130. I'm not quite, you know, as down on them as BJ is hater but uh yeah absolutely I mean, yes confirmed hater yep. <laughs> but, but Brentford at home this year I mean uh we've talked about it at nauseum put the numbers behind it they're plus 0.62 at home this year expected goal difference that's since January 1 you take it back the entire season plus 0.6 so they've been pretty steadily consistently good at home and we even talked about this like they had the drop off for sure in performance that led probably through the winter months where they just like weren't quite as good defensively and they, they struggled. They had some injury issues. They've come out of that looking well. They started playing better. And then the results came a few weeks later after a couple unfortunate, unlucky losses. But you get into the numbers, right? Their actual goal difference at home is actually negative, which is insane to think about when you consider how well they played at home. And then we go to Tottenham on the road. And this is headlined by the Villa win uh, two weeks ago. Villa, or excuse me, Tottenham away from home this season we'll say just Antonio Conte time because I don't really acknowledge the Nuno Espirito Santo era as relevant anymore, but plus 0.24 expected goal difference away from home. So still good, like a pretty good Premier League team. But again, how well have they run defensively conceding about 1.35 XG per 90. So the defense has not traveled that well. The attack has traveled. The defense is not. They're still conceding one and a, about a third goals. And they've only actually conceded about one goal. So some regression coming there for the defense. Uh, I don't hate a Brentford team total. As well, uh, you're not going to get a good BTS number, but that would be a way to play this. But I'm playing the Bs plus a half. Don't hate them on the money line as well. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a really tight top four race. This could be the uh, the weekend that the pendulum swings back toward Arsenal. And then you will get one more swing in the next couple of weeks before we get the big showdown on May 12th. I'm very excited for it. And it's basically 50-50 at this point. If you look at uh, 538, they've got it 50 to 49. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I haven't checked the odds on what the top four race is. I don't think they're up right now because of what uh, just went down today, but nevertheless, it's going to be a crazy final few weeks between that and the title race. And the relegation battle, but we will talk. And the relegation that. battle. Oh, no, the relegation battle's over. And look, we've all got dogs in the fight. Matt, you know, we've yeah, all got some ball went in the back of the net from a Charleston today. I, in my mind, I said, that's the goal that keeps Everton up. Uh, We'll get to that because there's a chance that Burnley is two points ahead of Everton uh, no, by the time they play no, Liverpool no, on Sunday. No, no. Um, all right, let's, a chance. Be- Absolutely. Before, yeah, of course. Before we get there, uh, 9 a.m. on Sunday, uh, Chelsea minus 190, West Ham plus 550. The draw here is plus 330. Uh, Chelsea had a you know just a wild match against Arsenal in which they lost and you know just came undone and 
you do wonder if after everything they've been through the season on the field, off the field, uh, the fact that they played champions league final, a lot of their players that went to the euros, it's maybe everything is just, you know, going to catch up to them and they'll just say, we're on the beach. Third place is good. We'll focus on the FA cup final uh, in a couple of weeks and hope that they get their silverware that way. Um, since January 1st for West Ham, they are completely mediocre. Six wins, five losses, three draws in uh, 14 matches, 18 goals for 18 goals against, and their expected goals is basically bang on uh, as well. So this is just a team that uh, wins one, loses one, draws one, wins a couple, loses a couple. And, it is a tough spot for, for West Ham. I think if West Ham didn't have their match coming on Thursday against Frankfurt, a Europa League semifinal, which is a huge deal for, for them, uh, I would be a little bit more interested. But both these teams in these weird spots makes this one a pass for me. And I could see it going off the rails uh, pretty quickly because both of these defenses look a little out of sorts. Um, BJ, anything here? Chelsea and West Ham? Yeah, I actually like Chelsea on the spread, minus one and minus 105. I mean, it was a bad performance today from Chelsea. I mean, there's no denying that. But this is a really good spot for them. They've been, like you mentioned, they've been playing a ton of soccer. So it's not shocking that, you know, they're essentially coming off of a FA Cup semifinal win over Crystal Palace on the heels of a 3-2 win in Madrid that they were going to have a tad, a little bit of a letdown spot. Well, here's a great rebound spot against a West Ham team that, really just hasn't been good at all. I mean, they had a good performance against Burnley after they went down. I thought Burnley was the better team for the first half of that one. West Ham, once they went down, they kind of kicked it into high gear, created 2.8 expected goals. That was only the second time in their last 11 matches that they've created over two expected goals. So the offense that we fell in love with the first half of the season just isn't there right now. I mean, they're only averaging 1.05 expected goals per 90 minutes since January 22nd. And their defense hasn't been good either. Over that time frame, 1.4 expectables allowed per match. And to make matters worse, they're going to go into this match without their best defender, Kurt Zuma, and Issa Diop is out. So that means either Declan Rice or Vladimir Sufal or somebody else is going to have to play out of position at center back against the third best offense in the Premier League. So I have Chelsea spread projected at minus 1.23. So this is just a value play for me. I like Chelsea minus one at minus 1.5 because they're not set in stone in third place right now. I mean, if they trip up here, it gets a tad interesting if both Arsenal and Tottenham win this weekend. Yeah, I guess that's, you know, it's true. Like, um, but they have to seal it. Like if they, if they win this one, they pretty much seal it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think they're fine, but I'm worried the wheels may come off. Yeah. I think, I think at some point, for for example, I I think Everton has a game against Chelsea a a week from Sunday. And I think that's a good break for Everton scheduling wise to get them, catch them then, because then they should have everything kind of set. Uh, for next year in terms of the Premier League. Uh, Anthony, uh, you're fading both defenses, which does seem like a pretty good idea on the surface here. Yeah, you know, Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea defensive regression, uh, they have fallen off a cliff defensively. I mean, what the hell is going on? Like, I didn't think it'd be this bad, but Brentford, four goals, Real Madrid, five over two legs. Granted, it was only like two and a half expected, but still... Uh, a lot of weird miscues going on at the back. And then today, I mean, three goals plus the late penalty that I'm still not sure how it was called, but it's over, you know, one and a half non-penalty XG for Arsenal. Uh, so some major, major red flags. And what are the, what's the motivation for this Chelsea team to continue this incredible defensive run they were on for the last year? You know, they win the Champions League. They put up these historically good defensive numbers. They have a little bit of a blip. They write the ship. Now... 
they're kind of coasting. I mean, they have one match left this year that probably is, has a lot of meaning and it's the FA cup final. It's a chance for them to get a trophy. And I expect them to be building towards that for the next few weeks. But I mean, th- th- this Chelsea team could be going off of a cliff and, and West Ham has already fallen. I mean, they are hanging around for six. I think they may nip it because of United's malaise, but this West Ham attack has fallen off a cliff. And, and that was one thing I was, I was talking about, you know, weeks ago and, and saying like, I'm concerned about them. Well, I think this game is one of those classic Prem games. When you get down toward the end of the season, both defenses are a little bit off. Like you mentioned, Diop and Zuma are both out. I think this game has the potential to be very open. And I project value on the over to begin with. Even though I'm not particularly high on the West Ham team at all, uh, I do think Chelsea's attack with Werner has more punch to it generally. Their defense is regressing. I project 2.72 goals, uh, and I'm going with the over two and a half. Uh, it's, it's my best bet this weekend. Another 9 a.m. kickoff. This one is a big one. Burnley there, plus 190, hosting Wolverhampton, plus 170. The draw here is plus 205. We are recording this on Wednesday night, as we always do, which means we haven't had the luxury of watching Burnley Southampton, but as it stands right now, Burnley uh, four points behind Everton with uh, the two of them have the same goal differential and same games played. Obviously Burnley will have one more game played than Everton as we go into the weekend. It's a big spot for Burnley because Everton's playing uh, Liverpool at, at Anfield where they're 14 to one underdogs. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. And Wolverhampton are one of these few teams in the, in that mushy middle where they don't have much to play for. Uh, and Wolves are, They've been inconsistent, 8-0-6 oh, in their last 14, 20 goals for, 14 goals against. If you look at the expected goals, you flip it. It's 14 expected goals for, 20 expected goals against. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there. there's always going to be a team every or two. Every once in a while. There's going to be a team or two every year, you know, like that. Just do this. Uh, and and Wolves and, and Leicester this season are are those teams and, and Spurs a little bit. Um, but Burnley, that's, the, that's prob- the problem here is, the problem here is that Burnley's defensive metrics have just been, a real zoo 2.26 expected goals against per match in their last three. Uh, that includes the uh, Everton match, West Ham and Norwich. That West Ham match was the first one without Sean Dyche and they still were giving up chances left and right. So I, I don't expect them just to get better defensively. They're, they're going to have endeavor. They're going to be gritty and tough to, to play against because they're going to play hard and, and they're fighting for their premier league survival, but they're still giving up way too many chances that West Ham game. Uh, yeah, sure. West Ham was lucky to not be two 0 down, but at the end of the, that match, we, we talked about it. Nick Pope's made two huge saves and otherwise we're talking about a very different look here. Uh, also it's Burnley's fifth game in 18 days. Wolves have been off for, for, for quite a bit. So, uh, since April 8th, so almost two weeks, uh, by the time this game or, or more than two weeks, by the time this game played. So there are some signals here that point, uh, away from Burnley, but it's the wolves regression numbers are just, they're frightening me uh, away from a bet here. Meanwhile, Anthony, you've, you've turned into a huge Burnley fan all of a sudden and uh, are back on them. Yeah, baby. Uh, cashed on them last weekend. Uh, really should have been up to nil. really should have won that game. Then they were hanging on for dear life. I think the, the lack of Dice maybe played its role in those final 10 ish minutes because the Burnley we know would have 11 guys behind the ball. They would be slogging it out. That Burnley team was not doing that. I mean, they were sending four or five guys forward on the counter. They had a couple of half chances, not really like a clear chance, but then they were getting run up on the counter by West Ham. And, you know, that's where West Ham's most dangerous. So tactically a, a pretty bad mistake by Burnley that they got away with. I mean, they got off the hook, Good, good big up Nick Pope for saving the day. I would have been very upset if I had lost, but I'm targeting the Burnley attack here. 
I don't like you mentioned the defensive numbers. I don't have to repeat them. Like there's major concerns about this defense. They've been terrible all year. They're not luck boxing like they usually do. They're not overcoming their bad XG numbers by blocking a ton of shots or having a, a, a crazy good season from Nick Pope. So I don't really want their defense to be involved in this. In fact, I hope they concede a goal or two to help my bet. I'm taking Burnley on the team total over one and a half at plus 215, chasing a bit of a price here. Again, I think Burnley, I liked with the, you know, in this case, you know, all the aggression they showed at the end of that match last week in a 1 1 game. I like that as a better here against this Wolves defense. They've overperformed by about 20 goals. 10 of that is Jose Sa. Credit to him. The other 10 cannot be explained by good defense, good goalkeeping, or anything. It's just teams taking bad shots against them. Their post shot XG is way lower than their actual XG allowed. So that's telling you that teams are getting on front of goal against Wolves and then not putting shots on target at the rate they should be. So uh, that tells me that they're you know going to regress and maybe they never will. And look, that, that's one other thing too. Like we talk about regression because we're trying to get small edges here on the market and like, you know, bounces over the course of a 38 game Premier League season tend to go back and forth and back and forth. It doesn't mean it's going to come this Sunday or that it's ever going to come this year for Wolves. Like you said, there's always one or two teams that just defy logic, like Brighton in the reverse last year. And now it's Wolves this year. I don't know that it'll come, but at plus 215, I'm willing to take a shot that Burnley is going to open this up and make this a back and forth game. Similar to what we saw with Everton, similar to what we saw with West Ham. They're not playing at the, at the typical Burnley grind it out kind of style. And so uh, this could all change depending on what happens tomorrow, but I'm, I'm probably going to be locking in over one and a half at plus 215. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you, Anthony. I'm actually, this is a late ad for me. I didn't put it on the sheet, but I do like oh, over two goals is minus 120. Uh, Burnley has oh, allowed man. more than 1.5 expected goals in their last seven matches. Like this is, we've we mentioned it, but they, they don't have the luxury of sitting back anymore. That's why you see them just sending guys forward because a loss doesn't really, you know, the one point doesn't really do much for them right now. They need, they need three points. So I'm going to wait and see what happens against Southampton on Thursday. Uh, if that match gets chaotic, which I have over two and a half goals, so I hope it does. Uh, you'll probably see me be adding uh, over two goals at minus 120 uh, during the match, depending on what kind of tactics uh, Mike Jackson and Ben me have all cooked up over there. Uh, but I mean, I don't really know what to make wolves and what, where they're at, because they're still fighting. Like they have a, a really, they've got a real good chance. shot at top seven. Yeah. They have a, they, I mean, they're probably good. Yeah. They're probably going to be look seven. They're running. It's not hard. Yeah. They're probably going to be seventh. And they actually have a little bit of an outside shot at top six. If United just completely falls off. So, or even West Ham. So it'll be interesting. I, the last time these two teams played, I, I remember it vividly because it was during a midweek and it was maybe the most boring match I've watched in a really, really long time. It was zero, zero Burnley had made no effort at going forward. So that just kind of sticks in the back of my mind, but we're in a different situation now. So any type of over in this game, I think has a good shot uh, of hitting. Uh, so I'll be on over two goals at minus minus one twenty, uh, depending on what happens in Southampton Burnley on Thursday. Yeah, and you look at the United schedule, they still have a t- brutal, brutal. games left. And then you look at Wolves, they still have Burnley, Brighton, and Norwich. Uh, they do have to play Chelsea, Liverpool, and City, so they'll probably lose those. But if they were to win three games, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at the numbers, you're like, oh, you know, they get up into that range where if West Ham or United cliff dives, which is very possible, uh, then they could be in the mix. West so, Ham I mean, has. They're still motivated. 
West Ham has Chelsea, Arsenal, Norwich, Man City, and Brighton left. So yeah, it's I mean, that's a brutal run. It's the both of them brutal runs. So and, I mean, also, yeah, they have the Europa League too. So and, yes, and then, of course, West Ham. West Ham has a probably twenty five percent chance of the Champions League just by winning the Europa League, which they're yeah, favored exactly. to make the final now. So. All right, let's head to the South Coast here for a derby between Brighton and Southampton. Like I just said, Southampton plays Burnley on Thursday after we were recording this. Uh, Brighton's plus 120 at the moment. Saints coming back, plus 235 in the draw, plus 240. Southampton, 1-1-4 one, one, and four in their last six. Four goals for, 15 goals against, uh, but coming off uh, an impressive one. So they're also like, they're, they're, they're XG, they're underperforming their XG in that span by four goals and three, four goals on offense, three goals on defense. So there's, there is some sort of uh, regression coming here. And I, like, I think, I think this is a tough spot for, for Brighton. Um, I know we, we, we generally like them. Uh, we like them as underdogs, but as a home favorite here, I guess the Southampton team, which is, there's really not that much between these two teams. Um, if you, if you really do break it down and do you trust Brighton to, pull this one off after a game against Arsenal Spurs and city in which they won two. And, and, and they gave it all in that city first half. It's, it's a natural letdown spot. Even if it's a, yeah. Even if it's a, a derby, but I just think that this is a pretty good opportunity um, to sell, 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 sell me your Brighton stock, which we don't like to do here. Uh, BJ, you disagree though. Yeah. I mean, I have Brighton projected minus one one, So I do have some value on them. I think this price is a tad cheap. If you ask me for given how good this matchup is for them. I mean, they were, they were bad against man city. Uh, for the whole second half today. They were okay for the first half, but they didn't really create much going forward. So you can't say that they were good by any stretch. They were without Basuma, who was on yellow card suspension. He'll be back, I believe, which is huge, obviously, for them. Uh, this is just a really good matchup for a team that plays really, really well through through pressure. I mean, Brighton's fourth in offensive pass per defensive action and pressure success rate allowed, which is obviously huge, huge against Southampton, who presses at one of the highest rates in the Premier League. Um, but the big thing here is that Brighton is one of the best set piece defenses in the premier league. They're only around 0.08 XG per set piece. That's third best behind only city and Chelsea Southampton's become very, very reliant on set pieces. I mean, 36% of the goals have come off of set pieces. They have James Ward Prowse is one of the best free kick takers in the premier league. So it, it makes sense, but they've only scored 21 goals from open play this season. I mentioned it, uh, you know, last podcast cause the Southampton match hasn't happened yet, but since January 15th, 1.65 expected goals allowed per match, which is 17th in the Premier League. So this is the classic Brighton spot where we have value. We bet them and they win like 2.1 to 0.3 on XG and draw 0-0. But I got to believe in the Seagulls here. I am projecting value. So give me Brighton plus 125. Now we will move on. Main event time. The Mer- Merseyside Derby at Anfield. Uh, Liverpool prohibitive minus 500 favorites. Everton. 14 to one on the three-way money line. The draw here is plus 650. 14 to one. 14 to one. Uh, I'll be on it as a fan. I'm going to have a little bit of it, uh, but just breaking it down and handicapping it. Let's talk about Everton on the road. 15 road matches this season. One win, one, three and 11 win, draw loss. Their last road point came against Chelsea on December 16th. Their last road win came against Brighton on August the 28th. We're, Four, just about four months away from that being uh, a full calendar year since their last road win. And we know what, what Liverpool's been up to <laughs> overall at home on the road. doesn't matter. I do want to say one thing uh, about that Liverpool United match. Liverpool, incredible first half. They took their foot off the gas in the beginning of that second half. Gave up a couple big chances, including one by Marcus Rashford. 
that then got struck struck from the records because it was deemed that the flag came up late and it, he wasn't he wasn't offside. Allison made a great save, um, but it was just like another it was another chance that went wasted uh, against Liverpool. And at some point, at some point, these are going to catch up to them. Meanwhile, Everton are creating. I mean, these at, at home especially, which doesn't you know, pertaining to this particular instance, I guess, con- considering their splits, but they are creating scoring chances Richarlison had two sitters that he missed today before scoring. Seamus Coleman had a, a big one. They could have scored three or four against Leicester, which is why I think, I mean, if you look at that match, Everton and Leicester, you could argue win draw loss for both those teams would have been a fair result. Um, and usually when you can draw is the one that ends up being what happens. So I think Everton, there, there's a chance here that they can nick one or two and make a game of this, especially because it's, think we're going to see an incredibly conservative setup from, from Frank Lampard. Yuri Mina's back. So he, you're going to see Ben Godfrey, Yuri Mina uh, in the back four with Fabian Delph right in front of them. Uh, he didn't, he wasn't great today, but, and then uh, Alan, you're going to, he's going to play two, you know, four, four, two, and just, they're just going to sit back and, and lump balls ahead to Solomon Rondon. I'm, I'm assuming, uh, and just try to go full Sam Myler dice that way. I guess Liverpool and, and, and they do have so much to play for that. Maybe they frustrate him. That is a long shot and why it's 14 to one on the money line. Uh, Anthony, though, you do have a little bit of faith in the Toffees here. I have some faith in their attack. I have no faith at all in the defense. I mean, they make it run out here. Um, I think the market's, you know, inflating Liverpool a tad bit. Like I show a tiny bit of value on Everton uh, on the spread, but no thanks pass. Uh, as far as the team total goes, you bet. Team total over one half minus 110. I think their attack is underrated with everybody coming back. I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Liverpool on the counterattack to try to create chances. And I think they're going to give a more inspired effort than United did. So yes, Liverpool's defense absolutely smothered United. Their midfield's firing on all cylinders right now. Like it could be four or five to one. Like I wouldn't be shocked, but I do think Everton will break through and get one. They did get eight shots, about eight, eight tenths of an expected goal, 0.8 XG and managed a goal in the last match. It was a direct counterattack right up the gut. Uh, and I do think they'll have some success there. Enough success to get on the board. Not enough for me to bet the spread, though, because I am concerned this could get out of hand. Yeah, an, an interesting spot for Liverpool, too. Obviously, it's a it's a big derby, and Klopp won't be rotating, but they do have Champions League to look ahead to, and they've been playing a ton of soccer as well. Like I said, there you can make some arguments uh, for Everton, but they're just, you know, they're not on a, on, on a strong foundation, I would say, I would say uh, to be fair. Uh, BJ, you, you've, you squared out. Last mm-hmm. over the midweek against United, Liverpool mm-hmm. minus one and a half, and right sharped back out. To it. Sharped out, yeah, right, right back to it here. Well, I'm a square, so I'm going to square out again here. I, I just, I don't see how Everton hangs here. I understand they've been better as of late. I mean, plus point three expected goal differential in the last six matches is improvement. Uh, but I mean, Liverpool is the best team in the world right now. I mean, they're they're they've won thirteen of fourteen really matches. Plus 17.5 expected goal differential in those 14 matches. Uh, they've won 11 straight at home in the Premier League with a plus 25.9 expected goal differential. It's just insane how good they are right now. I mean, Everton, we I've talked about it many times this year. They really struggle when they have to play teams that, that press high and successfully. I mean, they're 18th in offensive pass per defensive action today. They played a Leicester team that doesn't press at a very successful rate. Liverpool has... 375 high turnovers this season. That's 68 more than anybody else in the Premier League. Uh, Everton has also conceded the second most big scoring chances. Liverpool averages 2.4 big scoring chances per match. And 
looks like Everton's going to be without Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Andrews Townsend again. So, and Liverpool's fully healthy and able to rotate their squad. So, I mean, I have Liverpool project spread projected at minus 2.5. So minus two at even money, I'm going to square out and I'm just going to keep, I'm going to ride Liverpool uh, until we see them against Villarreal. I cannot wait for that. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, we have a whole other podcast to discuss that one. Just, just that game alone might go. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we do want to close out the Premier League part of the program with Palace plus 100, hosting Leeds plus 275. The draw here is plus 265. Monday night football returns. I feel like Crystal Palace plays more Monday games than anybody. Uh, oh, yeah. As they should. It should be that, should be that way. That's, this is a great matchup. This, this is, is a perfect a, Monday night. I'm glad. I will, I will gladly have a terrible Saturday 10 a.m. slate. If it means we get more of these Monday night thrillers between Palace and Leeds, we had a Palace and Arsenal. I remember Palace played a great match with Brighton on a Monday night. Yeah, they beat Everton on Monday uh, in the afternoon. Maybe that was- everybody beat Everton on a day yeah. week. But yeah, but wasn't yeah. Chris Dan- wasn't Chris Danball on a Monday as well when they? It was definitely uh, under the lights. It was under yeah. the lights. I yeah. remember. But yeah, I mean, it probably was this, a Monday but, then. But but, but I mean, Anthony Anthony says it. It, it. We're talking about two very 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 different teams here. Uh, Leeds cocaine ball a little bit less uh, so under jesse marsh but still cocaine ball and then uh palace and their methodical midfield and slow lumbering offense so you got a, a an immovable force and an unstoppable object poor man's a poor man's newton's conundrum or whoever came up with that one uh i don't know what really like that leeds has been good under marsh but like i don't know if they're going to be I th- what I should say is this number just looks right. I don't I don't see an angle here, but I do think as a as a standalone game on a Monday, it it should be interesting, and I could see it going much more towards Leeds's tempo, considering the you know that the, they're they want to secure their spot. Palace very little to play for besides you know just continuing a great season. Uh, so yeah, I'm just kind of gonna sit back and enjoy it. Uh, Leeds they have the highest total goals uh, on average per per game this season, and and Palace fourth lowest. So. Really, really interesting just to see how this game actually plays out. Because a lot of times when these, I feel like when these two kind of teams uh, meet up, it's just it's it's a mess and it just doesn't turn into a good game for for neutrals. Uh, BJ, what do you have? I like Palace even money uh, in here. I've them projected at minus one twenty three. You know they've lost three straight matches. Got to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because all of those were away from Selhurst Park, where something magical is just happening with them this season. Plus seven point eight expected goal differential at home. Minus six. On the road, I mean, Leeds, I understand they have a new manager, but overall for the season, away from Elland Road, they have a minus 12.3 expected goal differential, which is bottom three in the Premier League. They're allowing around two expected goals per match away from home. They have been better under Jesse Marsh, but they haven't played the most difficult schedule. I mean, they've played six matches against Leicester, Aston Villa, Norwich, Wolves, Southampton, and Watford. They did put up a plus 2.2 expected goal differential in those matches but I think we would all agree that Crystal Palace will be the best team that they've played under Jesse Marsh so far. Palace does struggle playing through pressure, which is a concern in this match. And it's one of the main reasons why they lost to Leeds the last time they played them. But Leeds really, really struggles when they play teams that press them back. And Liverpool, sorry, not Liverpool, excuse me. Crystal Palace presses at the third highest rate in the Premier League. So, and Leeds is 19th in pressure success rate allowed. So, I, like I said, I have Palace projected at minus 123, so I'm showing some value on them. Uh, so give me them even money at home. Anthony, you're, you're thinking that this game is going to play more towards, I guess, the, the Leeds script than the Palace one. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Leeds 
press is more defensive now than it was. I mean, like we should, we should say that. Uh, and it's, it's pretty clear in the numbers, the defense has improved, but uh, I think this is going to be a really fun back and forth match between two teams. Don't have a ton to play for. Uh, I'm going with over two and a half goals. Palace at home, their attack is just miles better. And I don't know what's going on either. I mean, like you typically see splits and you can understand why Palace might have a better numbers at home, but this is so drastic. It's, it's even bigger than Brentford's gap at this point now, It is, which is crazy given how much we've talked about Brentford. They're the two, you know, the London squads that seem to don't want to leave the capital. But I think this game is going to be so much fun. I'm very excited for it. Uh, I Flex will be in attendance, so I'm also going to be rooting for goals myself. But uh, yeah, I think both attacks, whether it's Leeds getting through uh, and kind of getting healthy finally, you know, they haven't played in 15 days. We've talked about, a ton about all their injuries. They're finally getting healthy, which I think will help them considerably going forward. Also palace, when they do break through that leads defensive press, it's, it's similar to more similar to Southampton nowadays than I think anything else with their press, but they're going to allow big scoring chances. And it really, this match probably comes down to whether or not palace takes those chances. They've had some problems with chance conversion, big chance conversion. It's a main region. They've been an underperformer, a team we've been betting on, uh, hopefully some of that, you know, goes our way and we get an over here and, and, you know, two, one palace kind of game, but it wouldn't be shocked if leads one either. I think there's, there's a high variance kind of game. Yeah, I would agree. All right, let's uh, move to the Bundesliga. We'll, we'll start with uh, Dirk Klassiker. We had a, a German listener reach out a couple months ago. I had no idea about this, that uh, very few people in Germany referred to this match as Dirk Klassiker, uh, but we will hear we're American and we don't, we don't follow those same rules, but Bayern uh, they're hosting Dortmund. Bayern minus 250, Dortmund five and a half to one. The draw is plus 475. A nine point difference between these two sides uh, in the Bundesliga table as we get to, down the stretch. So, you know, must win game if, if Dortmund wants to keep their slim, slim, slim hopes alive. Uh, and, and Dortmund, they've been uh, vulnerable for the past since, since 2022 started, you could say. And I don't think uh, a little sprinkle here on. Dortmund is a terrible idea, even with some lineup issues. And I could see this one also, you know, playing out when, when you see these two teams, you just automatically think goals, goals, goals. And I think that there might be a way to, to fade that. And Anthony, you might expand on that. I mean, I don't want to, I, I like hate this. Uh, it's probably my least favorite hold your nose play of the year, but I'm playing under four minus 115. I only project 3.69 goals in this match. Uh, I have Bayern about a 1.4 goals better. So I don't show any value on the number. I typically bet Bayern in this match, uh, at least the last couple of years when they've been on the road, I bet them uh, because you just get the cheap number on Bayern because, uh, you know, they're on the road, but it's like they, they just dominate this league and they always find a way to win this match, even if they're not necessarily that much better than Dortmund, which is really what happened in the first match at Dortmund. I mean, it was very even. I got a little fortunate to catch Bayern. It was a very controversial penalty decision. It was an own goal in that match that got it to three, two, but really the expected goals weren't quite on that number uh, quite a bit lower in fact. And so I, I, this really just comes down to Dortmund because their defensive miscues trying to play through the Bayern press, just give Bayern goals every time they play them. And if they just do less of that, I think this game stays under. So of course you're betting on this defense to stop making dumb mistakes, which it's done all year and continues to do and, and probably will regret playing this under, but if they score five goals and I lose, I'll be damned. I got an entertaining match out of it, but yeah, I'm, I'm playing the under four and it's an ultimate hold your nose play. Also, you know, from a, a situational point of view, the, the trophies on the line here, Bayern wins, they win the league. They clinch the league title. Uh, they have a nine point gap. 
with four to play. So they win this, it would go to 12 with three to play. That means it's over. Uh, even if they lost, it's over. Even if they drew, it's over. But it would be officially over if Bayern were to win this match. So definitely a um, Dortmund will not want to be the team to let them have the trophy. So Bayern uh, will probably win this. Hopefully it's like a 2-1 kind of game and not 3-2 again. Uh, BJ, anything here on this one before yeah. we get into the rest? Yeah, I lean Bayern minus four and a half at even money, showing about 2% of value on it. Uh, just kind of staying away just because I don't have that much value. I mean, Bayern's won seven straight against Dortmund. They typically just thrash them. Dortmund's been a big overperformer offensively. I mean, 72 goals off of 54 expected. I mean, that's insane. But, I mean, Bayern is obviously overperforming as well. But yeah, I like Anthony said, Bayern will be up for this match. Uh, it'll probably end in a Bayern route. Because for whatever reason, the Dortmund miscues just become so much more evident against Lewandowski and company. So leaning towards Bayern minus one and a half, uh, a nice, uh, another square play for me. But uh, ultimately, I'll be passing because Bayern has just really something weird has been happening with them the last few weeks with all their uh, performances, even this past weekend against BFL. I mean, it wasn't like the the Bayern ultimate thrashing. They got an own goal and it was 2.2 expected goals to 0.7. Not really what, you know, it's good, but it's not, it's not great. So I don't know what's going on with Bayern, but I'm probably going to end up just passing on this match. All right. uh, Let's stay in the Bundesliga and talk about our favorite bets. Anthony, what do you have for us? Well, by the way, Bayern goes to Mines next week. So, oh they, boy, if if, if, oh they win, boy. if they win the league, uh, hope, yeah, we're, oh we boy, Mines, Mines, and at Wolfsburg on the final day. So, we will be fading Bayern in the last few weeks of the season. That being said, uh, my favorite bet in the Bundesliga, besides the under four, which is my least favorite favorite bet ever, is Greuther Fürth plus one and a half. You know, I haven't really talked about them much on the pod lately. I feel like we haven't talked about them enough on the pod, but if you follow me in the app, you know, I've still been betting those suckers and they have been cashing tickets lately. I mean, they have played like the 13th or 14th best team in the Bundesliga since uh, December. When you look at expected goals. Now, of course the first half was so bad and they underperformed their XG so much that they have no chance of staying up. Uh, it will be back to the Bundesliga two for Greuther, but I hope they make it back one day because I had fun with this team and they have had a legitimately good run, right? Since the seven, one loss to Leverkusen, they've gotten Ugh. two wins. Okay. That's not great, but they've managed seven draws and they've only had six losses. So that means that in their last 15 games, since that seven, one beat down against Leverkusen, when all of us had Greuther, I think they were plus two or plus two and a half and, uh, we don't talk about that game anymore. Since then, they've been on mid-table Bundesliga side and Leverkusen, I know uh, BJ got cute, tried to back them last weekend. Uh, it didn't quite go to plan, but Leverkusen continues to be a little overrated in my numbers. Like I've got them power rated as the fifth best team. They're in fourth. So you could say like, okay, uh, you know, they don't have that much regression coming, but you just look at the attack and it's like, is Groydzer going to give them the transition opportunities they desperately need to create to win this match they might but like i i'm okay taking the plus one and a half especially with and this is the sneaky part leverkusen's defense has had a major major issue lately like they have been conceding a ton of big scoring chances one and a half to wolfsburg over one to bochum uh they were actually probably their best showing in a while against leipzig last week uh but yeah now they're on the road where they've been much worse their defense is actually just eighth best in xg allowed on the road this season so i'm gonna take right there plus one and a half and I think the boys are going to give me one last cash. Uh, looking at the schedule, will I be betting Greuther again this season? No, they got Dortmund at home. So probably one more one more Greuther run after this. But 
uh yeah we're gonna ride the boys it's been a fun ride for i for think i think first. we all need to do one yeah. last group yeah, when in. they play dortmund i'll be in for this uh, in a couple too. weeks um for me, uh, I like Union Berlin. They're six to one uh, against the luckiest team in Europe. Uh, Red Rosen Ball Sport Leipzig RB Leipzig. Uh, this is a Saturday, nine thirty a.m. kickoff in the Bundesliga. I, I, these two teams just played today in the DFB Pokal, and Union goes up one nothing, a penalty, and a ninety-second minute winner uh, for for Leipzig to continue their unbelievable run of fortune. Uh, I just, I like the matchup here. I don't think there's, I mean, yeah, Leipzig's a better team. That's reflected in the number, but Union is a top seven defensive team in, in non penalty expected goals, shots per 90, big chances allowed, box entries. Uh, and their their offense is decent at, at creating uh, big chances, fifth, and Leipzig are only eighth at preventing them. And at some point, we just know that this Leipzig run is going to is going to come down. We, we don't have to go over. We say it every week. They're outperforming their XG by... 14 goals uh, on offense right now and two goals on defense. So 16 goals. So uh, back on Union Berlin for me, BJ, what about you in the Bundesliga? Well, I'll also be on Union Berlin, but I actually like over three goals at even money in Freiburg and Gladbach. I mean, the Gladbach defense just continues to leak goals and it's showing no sign of improvement. They've allowed 30. 13.9 13.9 expected goals in the last eight matches. And they're now at 1.63 XG allowed per match this season, which is 14th in the Bundesliga. Freiburg plays a very different style than most in the Bundesliga. I mean, they play out of 3-4-3. They're a little more defensive. They're actually very, very average from open play, but they are by far and away the best set piece offense in the Bundesliga. 17 goals and 16.7 XG off of them this season. Gladbach, not surprisingly, is the worst set-piece defense in Germany. 13.7 XG allowed off them this season. So don't be surprised if Freiburg scores off a corner or a free kick. Offense has still been really good for Gladbach. Their top six in non-penalty expected goals and all the other offensive metrics. They've been on pretty good as of late, too. 12.7 expected goals in their last seven matches. Freiburg is a top six defense, but they allow a ton of shots. They're 15th in shots allowed per 90 minutes. So I do believe Gladbach will have their chances. And this is a huge revenge spot for Gladbach because Freiburg hung six goals on them the last time these guys played at Borussia Park. So I think Gladbach, even though they're in the middle of the table, they're out of any picture for any European spot. I think they'll be up for this one. I have 3.5 goals projected. So I like over three goals, even money. If I ever bet Gladbach again this season, unfollow me in the app. Don't ever listen to this podcast again. I, I am I am appalled at the effort that they put out on Saturday in their rival match after they lost 4-1 at Cologne earlier this year. They had a rivalry home match on your home soil. You get embarrassed by Cologne. And it wasn't even just that, like, okay, Cologne played really well. There was a play where I thought the guy for Gladbach got fouled, but three Gladbach defenders did not defend. They just stopped playing and let Cologne run right into the goal and shoot it in for the third goal in the first half. Uh, Addy Hooter you need to leave the job. I'm sorry. This has been a, this. Look, now why hasn't he got fired yet? I don't understand. I mean, they, they, they are short on money because of the pandemic and, and you know, they were hoping to do a big payout for Elvady and Ginter for their sales. And uh, Gladbach uh, have basically not had center backs this season. I mean, they went from this team was in the champions league round of 16 last season. Uh, and now they're in the bottom half of the Bundesliga and, and the defensive numbers are an embarrassment. And I keep saying, Oh, the talent's too good. They're going to improve. Nope. Elvedi subbed off in the first half last weekend. Um, 
Gladbach, I'm very disappointed in my foals. I even had like my family over, was watching the match. I put my jersey on at 1228, took it off 1237. I was just like, this is a joke. We're down in five minutes. And they didn't look like they cared defensively. They, they do not look like they care. And I'm not betting them the rest of the season uh, at good news, all. I good don't even know who they're though. playing. I don't care. The good news for you here is that they don't play in Syria. Ah, and that's where we're going next. Uh, BJ, what's your favorite bet in Italy? Yeah, going back to Torino, probably one of my favorite teams in Europe this season. Uh, this is this price is a little too cheap for them. I understand motivation. Uh, we're gonna have to start handicapping that because Torino is you know middle of the table, no real shot at a European spot. But plus nine point one expected goal differential on this season. They're gonna play Spezia, who is now pretty much safe from relegation. They're eleven points so uh, from the relegation zone with five to play, so they're they're pretty much safe. But they have the third worst expected goal differential in Italy. They're at minus 25.9 on the year. And this is just such a good matchup for Torino on so many levels. I mean, they're the best pressing team in in Italy by pretty much every metric that you look at. Spezia is one of the worst teams at playing through pressure. It was very evident the last time these two teams played. Torino had a 38% pressure success rate, pass per defensive action of 7 Spezia, also one of the worst defenses in Syria. Uh, I mean, for the season, they're allowing 1.75 expected goals per match. They've been really bad as of late, 16.1 expected goals in their last nine match. And the, the big problem is, is they just allow way too many shots. I mean, around 17 per 90 to be exact, which is the worst mark in Syria. Uh, so even though Torino is pretty average offensively, I mean, they're 11th in XG. Uh, I have no doubt that they're going to be able to create a bunch of chances against one of the worst defenses in Italy that I think is going to lack a lot of motivation. Uh, considering that they're, you know, they've got the the breathing room from relegation. Uh, I mean, I have Torino projected at minus 205. So at minus 145, I'm seeing a lot of value on them at home. All right, Anthony, uh, your favorite bet in Italy. Yeah, brutal Italy card. Honestly, all my fade teams are playing each other. We got Juve going to Swolo. Don't like either team. We got Lazio hosting Milan. Don't like either team. Uh, all these overrated teams I'm looking to bet against are playing each other. You cannot bet against both teams in the same game, actually, unfortunately. So I will be going back to the tried and true Syria unders that have no chance in hell uh, under two and a half plus one Oh five Verona and Sampdoria. I played the under last time these two teams played, there was only 1.5 expected goals, but there were somehow four goals. It's really been the story of the Verona season, just magicking up some goals. And maybe I'm cursed on this team because I don't like Simeone apparently. And his son plays for them, but uh, Verona for the season. Now I'm just going to read off the numbers because they're, they're kind of funny to read out. Uh, They have scored 58 goals from 45 expected, and they have allowed 50 from 41 expected. So the goalkeeping has been bad. It's been the main reason they've been under those numbers, but again, unders in that match. And then you look at Sampdoria. I mean, they're even worse defensively, 48 expected allowed 56 allowed. And then they've scored 40 from 31 expected. They're a bottom five attack in Syria. They just don't create a lot of big chances. uh, And I don't trust them to do so in Verona and what could be a dead game. So I'm going to go under two and a half, like the plus money chance. No La Liga. That means we go to Ligue 1 and BJ before we get to our underdog parlay, which is a doozy this week. Talk to us about your favorite bet in France. Yeah, let's go Ren. Uh, minus four and a half at plus 130 at home against Lorient. They're in a heated battle to hold on to that third and final Champions League spot. They had a really bad performance on Wednesday against Strasbourg. Uh, only 0.25 expected goals created, but this is a really good get right spot for them. Uh, they're one of the best offenses in France. I mean, they're Averaging 1.7 XG per match. They've created the most big scoring chances of anybody in league on 51 in 33 matches. They usually play out of a 4-3-3 system, which is very dependent on their wingers, uh, Martin Terrier and Benjamin Boyer, 
torching opponents down the flanks. And it shows because they're the number one team in completed crosses into the penalty area. That's a major concern for Lorient, who is dead last at crosses allowed into the penalty area. Ren just really, they what they've been done a good job of the season is just dominating lower half of the table. Plus 18.9 expected goal differential against the bottom 10 teams in the league on Lorient, a decent offense, 10th in expected goals per match. They, really struggle when they have to face teams that press at a high rate. They're 17th in offensive pass per defensive action. Ren, fourth in passes per defensive action. They have the third most high turnovers, and they have the most goals in league on off those high turnovers. So I have Ren's uh, spread projected at minus one, actually right at minus 1.5. So I like their spread of minus 1.5 at plus 130. All right, uh, now let's get to it. Our underdog parlay. We've come close a couple times over the past few weeks, and I got to say it. I'll say it right off the top. This is the one. This is the one. Anthony, uh, we'll let you kick it off. Hey, congratulations, Mauricio Pochettino. Il est magique, tu sais. Uh, he is magic. The man has won league uh, with PSG. They said he couldn't do it. They said he wouldn't win big trophies at PSG. They were minus 1,400 they, to win. They, the they said, he, look, I, they, they didn't win it last year. It's true. When, when, when Tuchel was running the show for the first half of the season. Uh, but yeah, you know, congratulations to them on winning the league. We're fading this week and look like lens plus 900. Uh, we're going deep into the, into the barrel for an underdog here. It's not the greatest play in the world, but look, lens have been in good form. They've won four of their last five matches and they're kind of a sneaky, you know, underrated squad of, of guys. They've run a little bit hot when you look overall at their expected goals compared to their actual goal difference. But again, you know, you're getting like the seventh or sixth best team in France at nine to one in a classic letdown off the championship spot. This is when you see teams take their foot off the gas, do some rotation. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm going to play against PSG and, and they're not going to win, but it's you know, nine to one. It's worth a shot. All right. Uh, I'm going with Union Berlin, six to one against RB Leipzig on Saturday morning at 930. Uh, these two teams just played a tight cup match in the DFB Pokal. RB Leipzig took that one 2-1 after falling behind 1-0, got a penalty, and then a 92nd-minute winner. Their lucky run continues. Since January 1st, Leipzig, a team I keep betting against the losing, they're 10-2-1 win, draw lost, 35 goals for, 9 goals against, on 21.7 expected goals for, and 11.3 expected goals against. They are overperforming by 13 goals on offense and 2 goals on defense. It's 15 goals. At some point, these numbers should come down. And Union Berlin has been a solid, solid team this year, especially defensively, where they rank top seven in the Bundesliga in non-penalty expected goals per 90, shots per 90, big chances per 90, and box entries per 90. So this is the type of underdog I like to play, a, a team that can drag themselves deep into the 90 minutes and hopefully uh, come up on the right side of a coin flip should they be able to turn it into one. So give me Union Berlin 6-1. to one. BJ, close it out. Brentford, three to one. I already mentioned it, but this is a really good spot for a Brentford team that's been in fantastic form, one, four of five. And the expected goals numbers really show that they've played well in those matches. Plus 3.5 expected goal differential. We've talked about it all the time, but Brentford's so much better at the Brentford Community Stadium than they are on the road. Plus 4.8 expected goal differential at home. And they have a plus 1.7 expected goal differential at home against top seven sides. Tottenham was due for some negative regression. They got it against Brighton this past weekend. They were pretty poor at home. We're deserving one nil losers. 
I think we're going to see some of that negative aggression where they've scored 21 goals off of 13.6 expected over their last eight matches. Uh, so I like Brentford three to one on the money line at home to pull an upset over Antonio Conte's men. Should you? And for this one, you should throw a couple bucks on the three leg parlay. That's Brentford, Union, Berlin, and Lens, 279 to one. Love it. Uh, that that is that's the one that's going to come through for us. Who's the last leg here. of that? It's got to be it's got to be PSG, right? If you want to get crazy out there, everybody, and you want to do the championship hangover parlay, there's a look ahead line for Mines next week at five to one. I'm not sure what a parlay of Mines at five to one and Lens at nine to one. <laughs> the championship hangover parlay. Who knows? It could come through. Um, yeah, that parlay is going to come through. And now we move on to our favorite bets for the Premier League. Anthony, uh, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm going to go Chelsea, West Ham over two and a half goals. I'm just really concerned about both of these defenses. We get down toward the end of the season, Chelsea conceding four goals to Brentford, five to Real Madrid over two legs, four to Arsenal today, even though it probably should have been three. Chelsea played so well defensively for so long. And now I think that the pressure is off and that the stakes have come off for this team. They don't really need these matches as much. You're starting to see a letdown in their defensive form, and they're starting to see these mistakes creep into their game. They just were not there for so long under Thomas Tuchel. I still like their attack. I mean, I think Timo Werner uh, has brought in a much-needed spark, and he's really helped them uh, you know, add more potency in behind. But also, I've got major questions about West Ham, who, while West Ham should be able to find some success on the counter in this match, their defense has really fallen off, conceded over 1.8 expected goals to Burnley, and now without Kurt Zuma and Issa Diop for this match, major concerns defensively and a look ahead for the hammers with a potential or with a Europa league semifinal against Eintracht coming up on Thursday. Just think that this game has the potential to get a little bit chaos uh, and, and a little bit haywire. So I'm going over two and a half goals. I like Brentford plus three ten taking on Tottenham Hotspur over the weekend. Since Christian Erickson made his debut for the bees, Brentford are five Oh and two win draw loss with 14 goals scored seven goals against and a plus four and a half expected goal differential. We've also talked about this team at the Brentford community stadium. They are a dynamic home team plus eight expected goal differential at home. And it's never, so it's never a bad idea to back them at a price like this when they're playing on in friendly confines Additionally, this is a team that punches up really well. They have wins over Arsenal and Chelsea on the season, a draw against Liverpool and played a close uh, one against Man City and have a positive expected goal differential at home against the best seven teams in the Premier League. And I also think you're seeing an inflated number here on Tottenham, given the spot. This is a must-win spot for them to remain in touching distance of Arsenal in the race for the top four. Oftentimes when bookmakers or when teams are in these must-win spots, bookmakers will bake that into the number and put in a must-win tax. I think that's happening here. So I'll be fading Tottenham, a team that has been running hot offensively for a while, still eight goals better than their expected goals for over uh, the past few games. So fading Spurs back in the Bs, three to one, BJ, take us home. Arsenal plus 115 at home against Manchester United at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time. How can you back Manchester United with how they've looked as of late? I mean, they looked very unmotivated against Liverpool on Tuesday. They got thoroughly thrashed. And really, it's an overall picture of what United has been like this season. Their pressing has been off. They're not pressing as a team. They're pressing as individuals. 
which is a big problem because it leaves them all out of sorts. It leaves so much open area behind them. That's why you saw Liverpool get in behind so many times and thrash them and all the United defenders pointing at each other like, what's going on? United can get away with that type of stuff against smaller sides, but when they have to play against the big six, it becomes a real problem. In eight matches against the big six, United has a minus 8.7 expected goal differential, and they're allowing 1.7 expected goals per match. So going up against an Arsenal team that got their confidence back against Chelsea on Wednesday, winning 4-2 at Stamford Bridge. I think this is a fantastic spot for the Gunners, who are much better at home than they are on the road. Plus 13.6 expected goal differential at home. United has been very poor away from home, minus five expected goal differential, and they're probably going to be without Paul Pogba and Luke Shaw. So I have Arsenal projected at minus 105, so I love my Gunners plus 115 to grab all three points. All right, uh, that wraps up another episode of Wonder Goal. For BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Lee Buff. We will see you on Monday morning to talk about Champions League and more in Europe.